This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Andrea Pacini is a presentation coach and founder of Ideas on Stage UK. He specializes in working with established business owners who want to grow their business and increase their influence through great presenting. Andrea, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Mark. I'm very happy to be here with you today. Now, you're in London, but you're not English. You are Italian, correct? I'm Italian and I am in London. I've been living here in the UK for about 10 years now. I can still hear the Italian. Yeah, of course. That will never go away. (laughs) Because I was going to, just before I started to introduce him, I was going to call him Andrea Pacini. He goes, no, I'm Italian. It's Pacini. And because I have a name like Struchowski, I really appreciate people's names. I always like to get them right. So I'm glad you're here. All the way from London, it's a Tuesday morning. We recorded this yesterday and Monday, and we're going to be talking about public speaking and presentation skills. Now, I'm a public speaker, and I will tell you a little story in case the audience has never heard my podcast before. Thank you for tuning in. So all during my elementary school and high school and through college, I hated standing up in front of the room speaking. Then something happened, the switch flipped, and now If you ever see me on stage, on a video, on social media, on my podcast, I can't shut up. So I'm so thankful because I literally, yesterday morning, I went out and recorded the video for YouTube and I just put the iPhone up on my tripod. I hit record and I just go. And some people go, how do you do that? I said, I don't know. I just, I just have a thought in my head and I just have some thoughts and I record the video and I know some people can't do that. I guess it's a blessing I have. So I just wanted to share that with you that I love, I guess it's because I like seeing myself in the, in the camera. Maybe that's, maybe I'm not narcissistic. Could that be it? <laughs> it, it? It could be Mark, but it could also be that, and this is something that we see all the time. The, even if you, if you look at the greatest, the, the best speakers today, even them were bad speakers at first. And so this is not something that you are either, but it's not a talent. If you think about public speaking skills, it's not a talent that you are either born with or you will never be able to, to get it right. It's a skill like many others that can definitely be developed. And then once we start doing it, the more we practice, the the better we become. And then maybe like you, we get to a point where before you hated it, and now maybe, I don't know, Matt, but maybe you've done it so many times that you actually enjoy it. Oh, I do. I, I do. It's, I, I don't know, it's really weird because I'll go, oh, I got to record a video for Instagram, Reels, Snapchat, TikTok, and LinkedIn. And so I'll just pull out my phone. I'm like, okay, um, okay, got the topic, hit the record, get it done. And maybe I have to do it a second time. But most times I get it right the first time. And I think there's a couple of reasons. I'd like to know your thoughts on this. Number one, I know my area expertise really well, which really helps. I'm not going, oh, how do you be productive? So I know it. Number two, I've done it quite a bit of times like you alluded to. And number three, I give my permission to realize that every video is not going to be great. I'm going to have great videos, some good videos, some eh videos, and I don't let bad videos bother me. I'm like, okay, that didn't hit. Maybe the next one will. I don't go delete it, re-edit, redo it. I just give myself permission. So what do you think about those three things? Yeah. So you mentioned particularly a couple of things which are really important, Mark. One is the last one you said, in the end, 
it doesn't have to be perfect. And, and actually, this is one of the things I say to my clients. Don't if if you if you think about a presentation, let's say pub, public speaking in general, don't aim for perfect. Aim for personal. It has to be your own thing. Of course, you want to try and become the the best version of yourself from a from a public speaking perspective but it doesn't have to be perfect there is no such thing as the perfect presentation so that's one thing the other thing you mentioned is that you know what you're talking about for you it's all about productivity and of course you know what you're talking about and that's why you are confident you see when it comes to confidence in public speaking a lot of people think that that comes from some sort of wishful thinking whereas it has nothing to do with that confidence in public speaking comes from three things knowing your audience knowing your message which is what you said like i know what i'm talking about productivity in your case and being prepared i would say for important presentations if you know your audience you know your message and you are prepared then then we will be confident Let's transition over to actually giving presentations. And because we're still dealing with this pesky pandemic, uh, I want to look at it from the in-person hmm. and the infamous Zoom meetings we all go on. Now, I am one of these weird presenters that I don't use any visual aids. I have not been chosen as a speaker because I don't use visual aids. And there's a couple of reasons why I don't. Number one, when I'm on a presentation and there's visual aids, I'm not listening to the speaker anymore. I'm reading what's on the screen. Number two, what I found is if I'm going to speak on these three subtopics of the main topic, and then as I get there earlier and I'm walking around or in the Zoom room and people go, you know, I've got this question I keep hearing over and over again, but I don't have a slide for it. I can just put that in my presentation. So I just... And the third thing is, I would like to say, is I find people are better learners when they're taking their own notes. So when you go to college class or university class in the rest of the world outside the United States, you take your own notes. The teacher doesn't tell you what to write. And I've learned better from that. So I don't know if that's the correct way, but that's the way I do it. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So the re I would say, Mark, there is no correct way. There's only the way that works for you and, of course, your audience. Now, I agree with you 100% in that we don't have to use slides all the time. And actually, one of the mistakes I see so often is that every time we think we hear the word presentation, immediately we link it. Most people link it to PowerPoint and <laughs> slides. It, it doesn't have to be like that. Mm-hmm. There is the the, con- the there shouldn't be no connection between your ability to pitch and present and communicate your ideas and your slides. Now, I think that slides can be useful if let's let's take PowerPoint as an example. If we use it effectively, it can be a powerful tool. But not to replicate what you're saying, because you're right. People can't read and listen at the same time. But it can be used to amplify what you're saying. If you keep your slides simple and visual, that can be effective. But if we think about TED Talks, for example, some of the best TED Talks are talks where the speaker didn't use slides uh, at all. So 
we, we don't have to use slides for us to be able to communicate a message effectively. If we do use them, we need to be aware of what works and what doesn't work when it comes to visual communication. I think his name is Keith Urban. He did a tech talk on procrastination. He had a very few slides, but they were so relevant and so powerful that I can see. He didn't have slide after slide after slide. He had very specific, well-thought-out slides, and I think that's okay. A couple of years ago, I had the pleasure of speaking at a local group here in Houston, and the guy right before me, I was the closing keynote speaker, the guy right before me, he was, I don't know, maybe a walking corpse. He was so boring. He was he was reading his slides. You never turn your back to the audience and read your slide. I'm like, and I all I could see is everyone was packing up their stuff, you know, get ready to go home. And I'm like, I told my wife, I'm like, oh my goodness. Now I'm a ball of energy. So when I came on, I always start my every presentation I do when I'm, especially when I'm in person, I say, look at. I I have a lot of energy. I'm like Tigger from Winnie the Pooh, okay? I will trip over my own tongue. I will interrupt myself if I have another thought that's important, and I have a lot of energy. And I just want you to let you know to hold on tight because it's going to be a great ride. And five minutes in the presentation, people are taking their notebooks out. They're laughing. They're, they've no, they've woken up because this other guy put them to sleep. And everyone came up after me. Well, not everyone, but a lot of people came up after me and said, Oh my gosh, where are your batteries? And I said, I just love what I do. And it was between me and him, it was night and day difference. And the way I look at it is these people gave the gift of their time. And the last thing I want to do is bore them or insult them. I want to serve them. And you can't serve someone if you're boring, if you're reading your own slides, if you're not really respecting them, because they're going to tune you out. And so whether people are watching me live on stage or on a Zoom call, I respect them because they gave me their time. Yeah, it's so true, Mark. In the end, when we give a presentation, we need to understand as speakers that it's not our presentation. It's always the audience's presentation. I always invite people to, to look at it this way. It's, it's the audience's presentation, not ours. Think of a presentation as a present. If I want to give you a present, Mike, it, it's, your, it's your present, not mine. And so I need to make sure that I know you so that I can buy something that you like. Now, a presentation is very similar. When we give people a presentation, it's their presentation, not ours. And so we need to make sure that we know the audience, their needs, the context, so that we can communicate a message which is related, relevant to them. So the idea of, as you said, respecting the audience is the most important thing to consider when it comes to public speaking. Hey, you, listening to the Mark Stuchowski podcast, thank you so much for doing so. I really appreciate it. But are you a Mark Stuchowski insider yet? This is my free email newsletter, and you can sign up right now by going to mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com. One of the things that I have seen a lot of speakers struggle with is they don't like the Q&A because you don't have as much control when you're doing your presentation. I saw Gary Vaynerchuk do this so well, I fell in love with it. And so I prefer to do Q&A because if I create a presentation, I'm kind of guessing 
what you want. But if you ask me a question, I'm serving you. One of the things I see speakers do a lot, which really I think is annoying and rude, and I'd love to know you think of it. You're in the middle of your presentation. You're going through your slide deck, and someone goes, I have a question. And the speaker goes, questions at the end. I think that is so rude. This person was brave enough to raise their hand, and you told the person essentially to shut up, wait till the end. I can't think of a more rude thing to do to an audience. What do you think about that? Yeah, so it may in those situations, it makes a lot of sense, again, to respect the audience and address the question at, at that time. And if you are prepared, you should be able to do that. Because if, if you are, again, there are, there are two types of speakers. You've got the learners, the memorizers, and the improvisers. And there is no right or wrong approach. Again, there's only the approach that works for each of us. But then if we are prepared, you can be prepared as an improviser and you can be prepared as a memorizer. If we are prepared, then it should be possible for us to address questions when they come. Unless, Mark, that the contest doesn't allow it. For example... In a for a TED talk, then that normally doesn't work. But that's a, it's a very specific kind of context, and normally in that context, it doesn't even happen that you are interrupt. Nobody uh, nobody asks a question. But in general, if 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 it happens, then and you if you are prepared, it's much much better to do it that way. I agree with you. But in order to do Q&A like Gary Vaynerchuk does, and he does it phenomenally, you really got to know your stuff. Because if you say, okay, who's got questions? And someone raises their hand and you, the first question is, I don't know. That sets the tone for the rest of the Q&A session. So like you said, there's no wrong or right answer. But if you're really apprehensive on Q&A, then don't do it. Because it could affect your brand, right? If you open for Q&A and you come off like, I don't know the answer to that question, you could have given a great presentation. But now they're like, oh, so you can't ask real time questions. Is that, am I uh, on spot on there? Yeah. And what I would say is that if you don't know your stuff, then I would go even further. Not just the Q&A. Don't do the presentation in the first place. <laughs> like, uh, okay. we, we, sh- we should give a presentation, of course, only if we know what we are talking about. Going back to what we said earlier, your confidence as a speaker comes from knowing your audience, being prepared, and knowing your message. So, of course, I would also add, Mark, that sometimes... It can happen. Even if we know what we are talking about, it happened to me. I don't know whether it happened to you, Mark, but it does happen from time to time that maybe you get asked a question and you don't have an answer to that question. That that can happen. Yes. Of course, if it happens all the time, then maybe there is something <laughs> wrong. But if it does happen, then what I would say that instead of trying to come up with an answer, because the audience will understand that you don't have an answer. So instead of trying to come up with something, then in those cases, it's better to say, you know what, I don't know. But what great presenters do, great professionals, what they do is they say, look, I don't have an answer right now, but what I can do is I can do some research for you and then I'll get back to you. You can even ask, again, depending on the context, you could ask the contact details if they want, and then you you need to do the work. You go home, you do your research, and you go back to that person, and that makes a huge difference. I heard one person, I wish I knew who said it. They didn't know the answer, but they said, you know what? I'm going to find out. I'm going to create a YouTube video for it. And so what happens is he didn't get the answer just for this one person. He went and created the YouTube video so everyone could get value from the question. And I thought that was brilliant. 
Absolutely. Well, you are amplifying your your answer, and you are also showing again, going back to what you said before, Mark. You are showing that you actually respect your audience. You are taking the time not just to deliver the presentation, but even to go home, find out what you didn't know before, do some research, create the video. That goes way beyond what most people would do in those situations. Let's talk about the power of silence. This is when I discovered this. Instead of going, um, uh, um, to get the power of silence. So whether I'm recording a video for YouTube or I'm recording like a 60 second reel for Instagram, if I don't have my thought right, right there. I know if I pause for half a second, it'll appear. And I think that's easier on the person watching than you going, uh, would you agree with that? Yeah, hundred percent. Dale Carnegie used to say that silence is one of the most eloquent things in the world. Mm. And I love that. And it's, this is about silence it's also about, these are all connected things. It's all about, it's also about slowing down when presenting or making poses, taking poses. Because when we do that, there are a few benefits. First of all, it helps, as you said, it helps the audience think about what you've just told them. It also gives you as the presenter time to think about what to say or what to show, what to do next. And also, every time we pose, that increases the impact of what we've just said. If you have a very important message and then you say and then you rush it, you go straight to the next one, the impact is not the same. Whereas we communicate something really important, then we pause. And when I say pause, it could be even up to two to three seconds, which if we're not used to it, it it sounds like an eternity. (laughs) Yes. but it's not, it's, it sounds like an eternity for the presenter, for the inexperienced presenter, but not for the audience. And if we do that, that increases the impact of, of what we said. So silence, pauses, slowing down is super important when, when speaking. Yeah, because you're, if you think about it, if you're in an audience and it's a great presentation. They're giving you lots and lots of value. Your brain is trying to absorb all this stuff. And those pauses, your brain goes, okay, you'd be surprised how much processing your brain can do in a second, by the way. You don't think it's a long time, but for your brain, like, wow, that can, boom, it processes a bunch of stuff. But we've all been there, and the presenter goes, like you said, sentence, 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 sentence and you're like, you're trying to write things, you're trying to process it, and I just encourage you, whether you're in person or on Zoom, give the gift of silence, especially if people are taking notes, to let them finish their note because you don't want them to miss anything. So that that's genius. So you Mark, gave us a so, so, yes. Go ahead. So, sorry, sorry. Would you mind, Mark? Because you also mentioned something before, which is also very important. Like um, uh, those kind of verbal fillers, the filler words, mm-hmm. uh, and the reason the reason why that often happens is because verbal fillers come from conversations. So in a conversation, every time we we say um, arm, or, or things like, you know, well, we are doing that because we are telling the other person that it's still our turn to speak and we shouldn't oh. be interrupted. <laughs> so in, th- in that context, it makes a lot of sense to use filler words. 
Whereas in a presentation, the context, the context is different. And so we should try and avoid them. And, and the best way to do that, first of all, is awareness. So we need to be aware and we could simply record ourselves. And for example, with our clients, we record them during a presentation and then we watch the presentation together and we count together how many times they said a particular word. So awareness is the first thing, because if you're not aware of something, then you would never be able to, to, to get it right. And then again, practice, 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 trying to avoid because it's not yes a presentation should be more like a conversation but that doesn't mean that we should use verbal fillers i love you saying that about one-on-one communication because i have talked to some people and they abuse the pause so they would say something and they would stop and i would wait and I would start talking and then it would start talking. Like I didn't say anything. I'm like, dude, you can't pause for 10 seconds. It's not natural because their facial expression, like they hit a period, they were done. And then they just started talking. Like I didn't say anything. I'm like, that's weird. Now I want to run into, a, have you ever run into someone like that? It's just, it, yeah. it's strange. It, it is. It is strange. And that's why in a conversation, it makes a lot of sense to use filler words, but not in a, let's say, in a more formal right. context like a presentation. Okay. So we talked a lot about mistakes people make presenting, and I want to give you an opportunity before we wrap up today. Other than what we've talked about already, what are some mistakes, other mistakes that you see all the time that people make when they're presenting, whether live or on a Zoom call? Does your to-do list have you overwhelmed? When you join my digital productivity coaching program, you'll learn how to get and stay focused, become untangled from the chaos of your to-do list, experience less overwhelm, and have time to do what you really want to do. Sign up today by clicking the coaching tab at mrproductivity.com. Yeah. So one mistake, Mark, is not starting with the audience. So we need to start and the preparation of any presentation by asking yourself some questions about the audience, their needs, and the context. That's the most important thing. Then another mistake is we jump way too early. Now, you said you don't use slides, which is fine. Now, many people do, but they go to the presentation tool way too early in the process. Before open, Yeah, that before opening up PowerPoint, which is the very first thing most people do when they need to prepare a presentation, they just open up PowerPoint and put together some slides. Okay. Whereas first, after the audience, we need to develop a message. We need to make sure that we create content which is related to the audience, which is engaging. And that has nothing to do with the presentation tool. You need to brainstorm to identify your key messages. You need to translate your key messages into a clear storyline. Like, how do you start your presentation? How, you, how do you develop your key messages? How do you end your presentation? Nothing to do with PowerPoint. Then another mistake, Mark, is that when we do use slides, as we said before, then we end up with the typical death by PowerPoint, lots of text and bullet points, slides which are way too cluttered, and that doesn't work. And perhaps the final mistake is that from a delivery perspective, people are not prepared. They don't, they don't rehearse. And, and again, whether you are a memorizer or an improviser, I would always encourage you to rehearse a number of times. And it doesn't matter if 
every time you rehearse, you say different things. If you are an improviser, that's fine. But I can promise you, whatever you say will be much more powerful the third time than the first. Well, first of all, definitely I am an improviser. But when you said rehearsing, I share people, people ask me to go, how are you, when you get on stage, you're so confident and you, you don't forget things. And I said, well, first of all, I do forget things. The thing is, you don't know what my presentation is. So you don't know if I forgot them. That's a key thing I learned from Toastmasters. But here's the thing. I literally will give my presentation in my living room to the dog. Okay. That's how I practice. And I'm like, ah, that doesn't sound right. And I'll record it sometimes. I don't like that. So you don't have to, you know, you can pr practice in front of your cat, in front of your dog, in front of your mirror. Every time you do it, like, oh, that doesn't sound right. Let me start this way. And so I I'm agree with you hundred percent. I say I don't rehearse, but I really rehearse. My dog is probably one of the most productive, knowledgeable dogs in the world because they, she hears all my presentations, but you're spot on because you could do this when you're on the run or out on a walk, just go through your head and say things out loud. It's just when you rehearse, you don't want it to be the first time when you step on the stage because it's easy to get rattled. I've done my presentation so much and as an improviser. I don't do the same presentation ever twice, but I know my stuff. And I think we talked about this in the beginning of the show. If you really know your stuff, you have a way to fall back and know that you have a lot of information back here to catch you. But if you just learn the stuff, maybe you shouldn't do presentations right away because some people, they want to start speaking. So they'll pick a topic, go learn about it for a couple of weeks and go out and speak. Uh, I wouldn't do that because if you get tripped up, there's nothing behind you to catch you or someone like me with productivity and you public speaking. We have a lot of knowledge that if we forget something, we can reach back there, pull other knowledge to fill that gap. Yeah, and if we think about most of the challenges we can have from a public speaking perspective, not all of them, but most of them can be solved just by being prepared, by rehearsing. And again, going back to what you said before, you don't want to be in front of the audience for the first time without having rehearsed. Yes, and the reason why that's the case, because when we think about rehearsing, we have two options, really. We either rehearse before the presentation or we rehearse in front of the audience. That, that's what happens if you think you are not rehearsing, but you are rehearsing in front of the audience. And trust me, it's much, much, much better to rehearse before you actually see the audience. I was sitting at a National Speakers Association Houston meeting a while, uh, several years ago, and they were saying, you know, you have to prepare, 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 prepare. Okay, I get that. And then I thought to myself, I said, you know, you should know your topic so well that you could be at a conference, the meeting planner comes up and you're in your flip-flops and your Hawaiian t-shirt and shorts and says, hey, who can come up and give a 90-minute keynote? The, the speaker got abducted by aliens and you should be able to do it. Well, several of my friends in the NSA said no. Then one day I heard Gary Vaynerchuk say, you should be able to get a speech without any preparation, without keynote, without a Mac, walk up on stage and give a presentation. It may not be the best presentation, but you should know your stuff so good that you can do that. And I felt vindicated from Gary because I believe that. I mean, it may not be my best presentation, but if you say, look, at, I can't speak unless I have six months of preparation time, I think you have a problem. You should know your area of expertise 
fairly well where you can get up on stage without any notice and give a halfway decent propo- um, pre- pre- presentation. Do you agree with that? Yeah. So if you, again, if you know your staff, yes, you should be able, and you will be able to do that because from a public speaking perspective, I think that your content, your message is the most important thing. It's not your delivery skills. Your delivery skills are important, but what really makes a difference is your message. Do you have a compelling message that you want to share with the audience? And if you know the message, yes, you will be able to do that. Now, not some people, though, even if they know their stuff, will still find it difficult mm-hmm. to, and, and that that can happen. That's okay. But what what also happens is that for those people, then if you are prepared, even if you know your stuff, because you see, sometimes what happens, Mark, is that the body always wins, or let's say often wins. <laughs> so sometimes it doesn't really matter how much we know, and this is how I, I look at things. It doesn't really matter how much we know and how experienced we are, how much expertise we have. But in certain situations, especially high-stress situations, high-stakes situations, then if we are not prepared, there is a risk that the body wins. And that means some reactions, the typical flight-or-fight response. And then some people end up actually flying and they they get off the stage. (laughs) Yes, I, I've seen that. Very, very interesting. So you gave us a lot to think about before we wrap up. Any anything left on your heart that you'd like to share with us today? Yeah, yeah. Th- thank you, Mark. I would say that for for those listening, if you are if you are a business professional, a business owner, an entrepreneur, a business leader, I think that until you are a great presenter, business is hard. Until you are a great presenter, your only job should be to become one. That's what I believe, Mark. And I also believe that there's never been a better time for us to become better presenters. Why? Because if you look at what's happening with things like automation, artificial intelligence, robots, you see, today more than ever, having a good idea isn't good enough. Think about it. If you want to land your dream job or sell products, lead teams, build brands, trigger movements, if you want to do any of these things, then you need to be able to persuade people and inspire them. And this is not something that a robot will be able to do. Never. (laughs) That's why being able to present effectively is a skill that will become only more important, not less. And so for those listening... It, maybe not, but it might be that they are only at the beginning of the journey to becoming the best presenters they can be. And if that's the case, I would like to just tell them that they need to keep going and they they won't regret it and the audience will, will thank them for sure. The audience will always thank us. Wow. Powerful, powerful stuff. So where can we go to find out more about you and what you're doing in the world? Yeah, maybe just a couple of things. One is the we've got a tool which is free that people can use to assess their presentation skills. It's called the Impactful Presenter Scorecard, ideasonstage.com slash score. And people just need to answer a few questions, yes and no, very simple, and they'll get a score and what that score means to them. So that's one thing. The other thing, at the moment, I'm hosting a series of free web classes. 
and people can find me on Eventbrite. On Eventbrite, if you type, for example, how to deliver a powerful presentation, you should see one of my next web classes coming up. It's free to attend, less than an hour. And uh, if anybody's interested, I'd, I'd love to see you there. Excellent. Well, I want to thank you for being on the show today. Absolute delight talking to you. I learned some stuff and I know the audience got tremendous value. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you very much, Mark. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time and attention for listening to this episode of the Mark Stucheski podcast. Hey, are you a Mark Stucheski insider yet? This is my free email newsletter where I will send you value multiple times a week. And I promise you, every time I send an email out to my insiders, it always has value. So if you want to sign up, absolutely free. Just head on over to mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com.